Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. With a, with a resume like this, I don't want to waste too much time in the intro because I want to get right to the interview, but we, we got to update you on who's on the call. So he's a youth sports player of the year. He won back-to-back championships with Trinity Western. He went on to play pro since 2017, and he's currently playing in France, and he's a Tokyo Olympian. Please welcome to the show, Ryan Slater. Ryan, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, then this is great. So I, I try not to skip over anything just for our listeners who might not be familiar with your career, but with you growing up in that BC area, what kind of sports were you playing growing up and when did you kind of get hooked on volleyball as your thing? Um, well, when I was growing up, yeah, volleyball wasn't really my main sport. When I was like quite quite a bit younger, my first love would have been soccer, actually. Um, that's what I loved to play the most. And then as I started to get taller and taller, it was a little bit awkward to have this like gangly six foot six center midfielder you know it wasn't like I was a keeper or anything so so um but once I was going into high school like middle school and high school then it was all basketball for me um because I went to yeah a big basketball school at Terry Fox and yeah that that was definitely where I had most of my most of my time athletically before I went into university um, what basically shifted me into volleyball was a combination of things, but one of them was Team BC, which was um, basically I had the, I could have tried to play Team BC for basketball or volleyball, and I decided to play for volleyball because I had so much basketball during the year um, already, and I wanted to get more volleyball because I barely had any time for that at that point. So. And I decided to do Team BC. And then that kind of, as I got older, was pulling me in that direction because that was where I was playing at a higher level, actually, in volleyball with, with Team BC. Um, and then when I was choosing where to go for university and everything, I had the opportunity to go to Trinity. And I was kind of deciding between basketball and volleyball and deciding what university at the same time. And I first decided on, okay, I'll narrow it down to volleyball. And then um, when I got to go to Trinity and stay close to home and play at, you know, one of the best programs in the country, that all seemed to fall into place for me. And then it was all volleyball. Yeah, help me out with the timeline, because I think you just would have missed like Ball and Rudy, but you would have got there when Nick Del Bianco, uh, Van Burkle, JBD, and like Steve Marshall were still there, right? Like they would have been kind of your vets your first year? Yeah, yeah. So the two championships with like Rudy and Ben Ball uh, were the two years before I arrived. So yeah, when I got there, yeah, I was playing with those guys as my as my veteran leaders. You know, I learned learned a lot practicing against Steve Marshall and Nick Del Bianco. That was really helpful for me as a young player to be in the gym with some really good, really good players every day and just try to copy them. 
And how do you feel like your time shifted just as you matured and kind of became an upperclassman? Because it, it looked like you would have had exposure to those vets, but then you would have had your crew of like you and Blake. And I think Schreimer came through in a similar group, but then you would have picked up Kern along the way. I think Lepke and uh, Pierce were there by the time you left. Like, did you kind of shift yeah. it and kind of take any learning from the vets you had and pass that on to the young group? Because it felt like uh, before you, there was national team guys and certainly after you, there was national team guys. So just curious how your leadership kind of style changed as you progressed through the program. Well, yeah, basically for my fourth and fifth year, I was part of the leadership of the team and one of the old guys um, because the year of, of the year above me was only TK. Um, by the time we, you know, were graduating, it was just okay. TK was the only fifth year at one point, and then um, you know, me and Scott hanging out together, and uh, you know, we have transfers coming in, so it kind of changes the. Um, the true years being all together. But um, yeah, so I was kind of like, kind of like an old guy on the team really truly for two years. Um, when I was in my third year, um, Nick was really our go-to guy and everything. And yeah, so then fourth and fifth year, I guess to answer your question about what I took from them and, and tried to implement. Um, yeah. A lot of older guys, I just, noticed being very hardworking in volleyball and very dedicated and there's a lot of things that i tried to take in that volleyball sense but there was also older guys who yeah really spoke into my life in important ways just with nothing to do with volleyball um giving mentorship um definitely in a spiritual context and and just in other ways kind of learning to become a man well I was there at Trinity. So that was something that was always really important to me as I was becoming an older player on the team was to try and help the younger guys and be there for them and also really serve them. I hope that that was something that I, that I was able to even add to the culture was that as an older player, you don't have a, just the chance to be served by the younger guys coming in. They don't, they're not there just to show up and carry your bags for you. I want to, as an older player, think about how I can serve the younger guys and be there for them when they need it. And yeah, just help them out. So. Yeah, that that's yeah. great. And I, I love a good story and I love a good team culture story. And just by doing this show and I, I know some of our listeners are coach and they show it to their teams, but one thing I think Benjo and the coaching staff does a great job is just like the mantras or the missions or just like a good story to connect to, whether it's like Eric Lepke really connected with the 20 mile March or guys have talked about just the importance of, I think it was Bruce Springsteen. It might be Bon Jovi, but the quote about like, you know, for him, it was his livelihood and it was serious and it was something he was going to put his whole life into. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's just rock and roll. And that's how like guys like Pierce like to approach it where, you know, it's volleyball and it's serious. And like, I want to make a, a living out of this, but at the same time, it's a game and I get to play it every day. Right. So what was there anything the coaching staff or the team kind of picked for your years that you really connected to and thought like, man, that's a really good story that I can kind of anchor to when I maybe have good days or bad days or, or just so I'm not feeling too serious or too light. Um, the most important thing I ever learned from Benjo is nothing to do with volleyball. He, it was just a long, long time ago, but way before I had kids, talking about his experience as a father. And he said that 
when you get married, you start to realize how selfish you were before and then and you start to work on it and get a little better at it, hopefully. And then you have your first kid and you realize, oh, you were still really selfish, actually. And then you start to work on it and get better. Then you have another kid and you realize, like, oh, wow, I was still really just everything was revolving around me. Like, I need to get way more selfless. And that always really stuck with me because I, I saw the truth of it even um, even back then. I think I was probably almost married or married at the time when we had that discussion. But yeah, I really connected with that progression through life as you get older and there's more people who rely on you, more people that you're responsible for. You realize how much you need to, yeah, give yourself to them and worry less about worry less about yourself and what you need. But yeah, just try to be, I guess, in a similar context to what I said before. You know, someone who serves others and is there for them. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. And, and on Trinity, the year I wanted to jump into was. The year you won when it was here in Ontario at McMaster University. And the reason I want to bring into that year is trying to choose my words correctly, but I, I think a volleyball coach could maybe argue that the offense was a little faulty. And what I mean by that is I watched your semifinal against Alberta and I looked up at the screen at Mac because they counted points and you and Shearhorn were both in the high thirties. And I think one other guy was maybe at like 10 or 11. And then there was a bunch of guys who were just contributed on a team level, but they weren't putting points on the board. So for, for that year, just take me through your prep and the idea that like if you play well the team has a chance to win but if you and Blake have an off night you're probably not going to get it done in that tough Canada West and you're certainly not going to get it done at nationals right so just take me through that year where everybody in the gym knows you're going to get a ton of volume how did you prepare for that and kind of just go through the motions of you kind of had an off first semester and then man it really started to click in the second semester yeah well it's funny because in one sense yes like okay Blake and I are gonna hit a lot of balls that year it was I think you're totally right like wasn't wasn't a sophisticated offensive system (laughs) we're running it was okay let's get the ball to two guys and so and yes in one sense it was you know dependent on us scoring a lot but it worked in the end because we had guys who were so willing to play their roles perfectly. Um, and not just the other start. We also were really good that year and the year after because we had young guys on the bench who would sometimes just light us up in practice. I remember there are times like when Kern was a young guy and would just be killing us in practice. We'd be so frustrated thinking, okay, if we can't even beat our own young guys on the bench, how are we going to win games? But yeah, everyone on the team was really, really valuable. And I'm I'm the last guy who's going to be just focused on what the stats tell you. Um, I'm a big fan of trying to understand the game in in a deeper way and see what people are doing that's important for the team that doesn't always show up and how many kills you got. And the the role players on our team that year were just excellent in creating good opportunities with making good defensive plays, setting perfect high balls, being in the right position on block, 
you're not getting a block, but you're in the right position and making it easier for someone else to like doing all of those kinds of things that were really vital. And yeah, just gave us a, a chance to figure it out right at the end of that year and and win the championship. Like it was funny because when we won that year, we were really not that good for most of the year. <laughs> like we we were just kind of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, like a five hundred team. And then at we're really fighting for our lives for a long, long time before we ever got to that national final. And we got so comfortable being in that space of okay, this is do or die, do or die, do or die. Every single game was do or die going on for weeks. So I think that prepared us really well for that national final as well. Yeah, it was funny. We had Tyler, uh, Blake's brother on the show, and he kind of gave his context. We're there, you know, at a family gathering during the holiday break. And Blake's like, man, it'd be really cool to play against you guys. But like him at Queens, they had a really big first semester. It's like, oh, it looks like we're going to be at Nationals. And, and sorry, Blake, you're not going to be there. And it was just funny to see how things like did basically did a flip for each of yeah. you. And you both teams did a 180 where Queens wasn't in a national final. And there's Blake being like, oh, it just came together. And, you know, things worked out. But uh, that year, especially... Uh, for me, I think it's easy to connect as a fan and say, well, I watched you play pro and I see with our national team. Did it start to come together there that you were like a true outside hitter, that you weren't going to be a right side or a left side, but you could score from both wings? Uh, I, I thought Benjo did a great job and Trimer especially setting it where you and Blake were opposite. But when you're in the back row, sometimes you'd hit a pipe, sometimes you hit a sea ball. Like they were trying to be a little bit creative about where you're going to get this volume. But it, it seems like that's followed your whole career where with, even with the, the national team, you might play right side or left side, or it happens with your pro teams. Like was that maybe the year that it clicked for you that you could score from anywhere on the court? Or when did you become so versatile where, like I said, you're not a true, Oh, I only play this pin or that pin. You could do it all from all areas of the court. I think it was probably be even before that, because when I, yeah, like in high school, I thought of myself as a, as a left side. Like I expected myself to, to pass, even though I wasn't great. And then coming into Trinity, I basically like flipped every year. And my first year I didn't play. I was just a serving sub, but in practice I was playing as a left side. Second year, playing as a right side. Third year, playing as a left side. Uh, mostly and then yeah like just kind of I think that's maybe part of what I love to do is just figure out what does the team need okay I'll do that like it's not really that I'm I'm so dedicated to thinking of myself as a certain way I kind of my starting point is okay what does the team need and I'll try and do it even to the extent of I guess playing other positions that doesn't really happen anymore, but uh, it would take a lot of work on passing. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I am glad that at Trinity, Ben put a, a premium on that, trying to develop a lot of different skills and not just be, be stuck in a box, right? Because you never know how a guy's going to develop in certain ways and if it's going to turn out that he's better for one position or another. So definitely something important for younger players to think about is developing every skill like really every skill in in my practices here in france right now we often do a drill for a little while where everyone is serving and everyone is passing like actually every player our middle blockers our setters they have to just pass an easy ball 
because we're professional volleyball players, you know, we should be able to execute every skill to some extent, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's valuable. Nice. And it's so great to hear about your mindset and how you're a team first guy and you really want to give. But I am curious, how do you respond when you do get an MVP at this tournament or this season or a Canada West finals, or you do take down an award like a U Sports Player of the Year? Like, is, does any of that kind of boost you and give you a little bit of confirmation that you have been putting in the work and people notice? Or or do you just really want to focus on what the team needs? Like, how do you handle those individual accolades? Um, I think it is more so that I was like, really hard on myself and expected myself to be really good always. I kind of in a weird like juxtaposition to the other stuff. Like somehow both of those things were going on. Like, okay, all I want to do is serve the team, but also I expect myself to be the best player ever. And somehow that was both those both those things were going on in my mind. But the other thing about my journey as well is that I, I really don't think very far ahead in terms of volleyball or my progression as an athlete. I really was always just trying to do the most that I could one day at a time. And so when a, like an award or something comes up, it was more so just a chance to stop and reflect and be like, okay, this is actually a lot of work that I've put in and take a moment to look back at it and yeah, I'd be, be proud of how, how hard I've worked and, and where I've come from. And then, yeah, just take a moment kind of to rest. And then, okay, keep going. Like, what what's happening tomorrow? So, yeah, I think that's more so how I would take any sort of award like that. Nice, nice. And to kind of wrap up your trinity, like you win another U Sports Championship and you go on to play pro, and I don't know if it's official, unofficial. It just looks like Trinity guys seem to always find a way to Lundberg. And it, there's been a yes. pretty good uh, pipeline there. Uh, I was wondering with your experience, uh, is that something that, that Benjo maybe like put you in contact with somebody? The coach had been watching Trinity because they know like a ton of guys are there. Was it an agent thing? Like, how did you go from youth sports to pro and, and then land where you did with it seems like uh, a great landing spot for a lot of Trinity guys, like I said? Yeah. Um, well, that's first things first is it is uh, the ideal place to start your career. I mean, depending on everyone's different, right? But for me, for me, it was really perfect, like on the court and off the court. It was the best way to, to get started in pro. Um, basically, it was I, I knew nothing about pro volleyball at all. I. All I knew was where our former Trinity guys were playing. And um, Nick Del Bianco and Steve Marshall b- played there together uh, before I went there. So I figured, okay, this seems like a real place. It exists. I guess I could go there. And Banjo had, at that point, I think, just started kind of talking more with the head coach there, Stefan. Um, just kind of just swap in coach talk, sharing techniques and ideas and everything like that. Um, And yeah, it kind of just started a connection. And then also with, it was also with my agent because I, I didn't know anything. I just signed with the same agent who Nick and Steve were with because I figured, okay, this must be a real person. I guess I'll go with them. Like, um, and so 
yeah, everything was kind of just feeding into Lunenburg, and it was great. Um, yeah, in every way except the money, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remind um, me your first yeah. year. I, I think you played with TK's been there, and then you would have had, I think, fellow Canadian Ray Zito was on the team, and then even another North American, yeah. I think uh, Kessel was there as well, right? So did it just yeah. help having English speakers? And like you said, knowing that you were probably going to get paid, the coach was familiar with the style of play you were coming from, like there was probably a, a few things that you could yeah. be comfortable with right away, right? Yeah, well, and we also had Roy Ching, who's a, you know, was a great Canada player. So it was like a lot of familiar guys. Um, the easiest transition you could possibly have to somewhere in Europe, right, where a lot of guys head over to their first team and they don't know a single person. Yeah, people might not really speak English, whereas for me, there was maybe like, the guy who spoke English the worst on the team was still quite good. He was very, he was comfortable in English. He would just ask for a word every now and then. Like Germans are, are yeah, very, very strong in English skills. So, yeah, it was super easy in that way. Um, the German league, too, is, was good. Like um, the competition was challenging, but it's still... You know, I could still thrive in my first year. Like, I didn't just go out there and get annihilated. So I was able to kind of just still play with confidence. And and I knew that my coach had a lot of trust in me, so I could work through some growing pains um, when I needed to. Yeah, it was awesome. And off the court, Lüneburg is such a cool place. Like, it's this old medieval city, um, pretty small, but so much history and was an amazing place to live with really, really friendly people. Um, yeah, can't wait, can't wait to go back and visit there someday. And did you choose to sign a two-year contract right out of the gate, or was that like a one-on-one and you enjoyed it so much that you wanted to just ramp up and play there again? Um, I only signed a one-year contract. Um, I've, I guess I've only ever signed one-year contracts, actually, um, just how it's worked out. Um, but yeah, I signed for one year. Honestly, when we went into Germany, my wife and I were like, okay, I guess we'll try this pro volleyball thing. Not sure how it's going to go. And then my career kind of, at that point, kind of just really jumped out of nowhere. Because when I signed, um, this was, um, you know, like in my... Uh, yeah, would have been after my fourth year. Yeah, like after my fourth year at Trinity, I uh, went to national team tryouts and was cut from the B team. Then my fifth year, I was thinking about playing pro, but I wasn't exactly like the most big name, like superstar guy. And so I had this chance to go to Lindenberg and figured, okay, I have some chance to go somewhere. I should probably take it. Um. And then that summer made the B team. Um, so the first time I ever played for the national team was after, like after I graduated from Trinity. And then after my first year in Lüneburg, all of a sudden I was on A team. I, mean, I didn't even know what happened. All of a sudden I just kind of showed up in Gatineau and I was like, oh, I'm going to VNL. Like, okay, like, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh- we will touch on that in just a second, but I, I'm curious because I, I've learned a lot about the pro system just by doing the show. And I think Fred Winters was the one who just told me point blank, 
it, it's about the money. When you get a new offer, you're signing these one year deals at a time and you're betting on yourself. Like 99 times out of a hundred, it's going to be about the money. But he also said that there was like a kind of a list that he, him and his wife would look at about like the style of food you're going to get the, the living accommodations, like the, the play, like there, there are other things to consider, but I think as a professional athlete, you have to look at the money first, but I am curious with you now being in France for a couple of years, I, you've got the added layer where some athletes don't have, and that's the family life. So I'm curious, how do you weigh some options between strength of league, who the coach is, what the club is, uh, the money, obviously, but uh, does having kids over there with you kind of influence your decision of where you want to play as well? Uh, yeah, that was like for this year, especially that was actually my, my number one priority for the contract was my family just because like the ages that my kids are at. So, um, yeah, so my daughter's, uh, almost three and my son is just three months, um, as of yesterday. And so, yeah, coming into this year, like, like Jackson was just born in Canada after the Olympics. And then we came straight to France basically. And so, um, yeah, I, I knew that it was going to be very important to have a good supportive place where I'm bringing like a toddler and a newborn baby. Uh, so I needed it to be not too much of a shock for Addie because we already had, okay, moving all around across the world and a new baby brother. And then, okay, we could also show up in some new country with a whole new language and that could be crazy for her. So thinking about, yeah, both my kids and my wife and what we needed for this year. Um, staying in France was, we thought, pretty important. Um, I thought I might just stay in Montpellier. Um, and then they decided to save some money, I guess, and sign a different guy. And so then I moved just down the road to set. And uh, it's nice. Before I was like a like a seventeen minute drive from the beach, and now I'm like a three minute walk from the beach, so it's <laughs> quite a bit better. And um, yeah, so this, but basically, yeah, to go back to that, like deciding on contracts for this year, that was for sure the priority was just family. Um, just because we're at a kind of delicate time of, of life too. Um, for next year, we'll probably feel more settled and I mean, you never know. You could also just stay here cause it's great. Or you could have some offer that comes up in the craziest place in the world. But, um, yeah, you're definitely weighing those. You are weighing those options. And like you said about Fred kind of giving a, you know, like, actually, this was one piece of advice I got from Rudy Verhoof was saying, like, okay, you probably want to attach about, like, a 5,000 euro amount to any Canadian on your team. Like, any Canadian on your team, just add 5,000 euros to your contract. Think about it that way, because this will make a pretty big difference in your quality of life. So if you look at my, you know, really the richness of my experience in Lunenburg, it was a great, great life experience. Um, even though there wasn't, didn't make a lot of money in either of those two years, but, um, it was very valuable because yeah, the people were awesome. And, and here in France, you could say, okay, like 
being on the Mediterranean, how much is that worth? Quite a bit. So, um, yeah, we're definitely enjoying that that aspect of it. Nice. And for anybody who has you on social, I think your your club is obviously supportive because it's not a big deal to see your daughter running around courtside when like the game's over or like you'll be getting an award and she's oh, like yeah. right there on you. She's, like it's <laughs> every game she gets more and more wild. <laughs> so it's just a pretty cool fit to see like her involvement and how it's not a big deal with coach or the general manager to say like, oh, what's what's Slater's kid doing out there? But anyways, uh, I was wondering, how do you find that you can compete and really go out there and battle like for a game and then switch off and be dad like minutes after like was that something you had to get used to or how yeah. do you find like the balance of like you know you're going to be a gamer and you're going to be intense and there might be something going on with somebody on your team or somebody across the net and then you get to hang out and celebrate with your your family right after yeah it's funny actually when my daughter will run around the court and then run like right through the other team as they're stretching or something like <laughs> like dodging the other guys um and i'm kind of chasing her through but um it's definitely easier to switch that way from game mode to dad mode rather than like okay if everything in the house is like frantic and kids are crying and stuff and then i have to go okay i gotta go to the game see ya like that's a little more strange to kind of shut it all down and get in the zone. But after the game, it's been easy to yeah, see her in the stands, go scoop her up and then run around, give everyone high fives. She really likes the mascot. So we always chase the mascot together. Um, yeah. And that's been an awesome aspect of my year here so far is just feeling like I've been able to focus on being a dad and also a volleyball player and yeah, just enjoy, enjoy both parts of it. And I, I did want to circle back to your comment about the national team there. Cause again, as an outsider, this really fascinates me how you got cut from our B team and don't get me wrong. That's not a bad thing. Like our B team is super competitive and there's only so many spots. Like you can play professional and not be on our national team. Like that's how deep I think the, the Canadian system is right now that yeah. there's guys playing for that's a living. A, that's a, that's a really good thing. Yeah, have good pros not on the national so you go through that and you don't get the poor me so you get cut and then go play pro and then like you said this 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 rocket ship hits your career where you go from you're on the b team now you're at vnl now you're an olympian so when it's happening that fast for me just watching as an outsider i'm curious what was it like when you're in it going okay like i'll, I'll try out next year like maybe we'll see what happens and then all of a sudden you are on senior a and then you get named to the tokyo roster like what was it like in your journey as far as like was there any moment that defined that you thought you could play at that level or would did Glenn pull you aside? Like, did anything special happen that it, it just ramped up so fast that I'm wondering what it was like when you were in it? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll kind of explain what happened with like, um, so during my first year um, in Lunenburg, um, Antigua was the coach at the time, right? So, so I got a phone call from Antigua and I looked at my phone and see like, tell my wife, like, Amy, I'm getting a call from Antigua. Like, so we're both like huddled together, like freaking out, answering the phone. And he says, hi, Ryan, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. I want you to like come, come to Gatineau and train with the team. Those are his words, like come and train with the team. So in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, I'm like a B team guy with potential or something. So he wants me to like come train with the A team before they, before they leave for um, for VNL, and so I thought, okay, that's great. Like that's that's a great thing because uh, the year, the summer before with the B team, I had I had played pretty well. Um, 
I think they're, they were happy with me when I was on the B team. So I thought, okay, good. Things were like kind of progressing. And so then, you know, we show up to Gatineau. I have literally no money. Like I can't afford a place to, to live in Gatineau because the housing is not, not covered by the national team. If you're like, this is before B team tryouts, like two. So guys who are living there at the time are just like paying for their own stuff. So I'm sleeping literally in like a, a large closet space in an, um, a house, like with two other guys and we're there for, I don't know how long, like 12 days or something. And then it's getting closer and closer to the, the flight leaving for VNL. And I'm kind of like realizing, okay, wait a second. Like, so if show is injured and like, I don't think Gavin is doing this, then like, am I going to this tournament? <laughs> um, and I'm just kind of realizing, wait, this might be happening actually. But I was too scared to ask. So, so I didn't really know for sure I was going to VNL until the day before our flight. And Antigua says, like, you know, to the team, like, okay, so, you know, tomorrow flights, this and this, blah, 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 blah. And there were a couple other guys who weren't going. And he's, and he, and he can't remember who it was at this point. Uh, but he said, like, okay, so and so is not flying. Okay, that's it. See you tomorrow. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, left with the A team and then never looked back. <laughs> um, yeah. That's so cool. So you, you kind of had your like, I've arrived moment as you're like packing because you know you have to get on a plane the next day. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess just as, in terms of like playing with the, with the A team, we the first the first real game I played was like we we're in Argentina for VNL, and um, the, the like in the three game series. The first game I, I don't know I think maybe I subbed in for a couple points or something. The next game, I think I subbed in and finished the game, like played a bit more, and then the third game um, was against Italy, and I started. And I played kind of okay because they probably had no idea who I was and didn't care about me whatsoever. Just like didn't focus on me at all. So scored a couple balls. And I remember I hit an ace uh, against Juan Torreira and I was like, wow, it's not even that hard. Like, this is awesome. I can do it. Um, and so I was really just thriving in that kind of beginner's luck zone of when you first show up in the scene no one has a clue who you are and they don't give you the time of day on block so you can you can score a bit feel good about yourself and then you know as the days and weeks and years go by then you realize okay like now they know who i am and they're not just going to let me score the ways i want to and it starts to get a little more difficult and you got to be really dialed in. So yeah, but I've enjoyed that journey of learning how to do that at the highest level. So with you being around the A team, was it more special when the Olympic qualifiers in BC, like did a lot of family and friends go out and support that with oh, the, yeah. the Naseka being at home there? 
Yeah, for sure. That's because when that game happened, I hadn't had any, like, you know, I hadn't played in front of family and friends for a few years, like three years. So um, it was really, really special. Everything, like, for the team, it was already, you know, a crazy storybook thing, right? But also for me, individually, it was even way, way more because it's in my, you know, in my hometown area. Um, and just the way things kind of shook out where, um, you know, I didn't think I was going to be starting that game. And then the morning of, Glenn tells me, okay, Ryan, you're starting against Cuba. And, okay, obviously going down first two sets, epic comeback to win, like it was all crazy, right? So, but as as crazy as it was for everyone, for me, it was even more just, you wouldn't even write a, you wouldn't write a movie like that because it would be kind of like, wow, that's way too cheesy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was really incredible. Yeah, I was hoping we could just quickly cover the Cuba match because I thought it was interesting. We had TJ on the show and he mentioned, yeah, we're down 0-2 and like this is this is the moment. Like if we lose, we're not going to the Olympics. And he mentioned there wasn't a lot of panic though like because he didn't feel like you guys were playing that bad. Like Cuba was, was just, everything seemed to be going well, but he thought the crowd kind of got you guys back into a little bit. But like he didn't feel like Glenn was freaking out. He didn't feel like any of the guys were like starting to lose it and really press the panic button. But I'm curious from your experience, like, what was the feeling with you being a little bit of a newer guy? Like TJ's a vet and he's been through those moments. And obviously like the, the Edmonton North Seca qualifier didn't go our way where he didn't feel like it was here we go again. It was kind of like, we just need to adjust a couple things and away we go. Yeah. I, I think that that was the main difference between our team and Cuba was that we knew if we could just get something to go wrong for Cuba, they would start to turn on each other. Um, like they're a bunch of just unbelievable athletes, but we, that was our mentality going into the game was we can be more together and we can be more just mentally resilient. And so, yeah, I remember looking into guys' eyes as we're going into the third set and knowing, okay, we can, we can win this game. We, we just have this really, really deep belief that we can win. And it's not going to be that doesn't get shaken depending on circumstances. It's something that we've that we've just decided, and it is what it is. We have confidence that we can win this game, and so yeah, it didn't feel like anything that happened was going to change that. It was it was really yeah, just fully resolved between us as members of the team that we were all in agreement we can win this game. So, yeah, I was really proud of us for doing that. And it was an amazing thing to be a part of a team in a moment like that where you can really, yeah, come back from that level of adversity and be staring over that that cliff as, you know, looking at dead and, you know, just right at the fact that we might not be going to the Olympics. It's right there in front of us. We can't avoid it. And you have to keep playing volleyball at a high level. So yeah, I was really proud to proud of our team and proud to be a part of that for sure. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that one. And I'm curious, 
the way VNL's roster set up, don't get me wrong, I think you need a lot of guys. I think the schedule is hectic. But one thing that VNL sets up the Olympic roster for is there's going to be a lot of letdown because you can take like 18 guys to VNL and then the Olympics is 12. So uh, I'm curious, what was your mood around the team in terms of how did the announcements happen? Was it like one-on-one meetings again? Like, were you kind of on edge about like if your name was going to get called? Like, how was the process to narrow what was the VNL crew to the Tokyo crew? Um, I guess similar for me individually, like similar to when I couldn't believe that I was going to VNL until I was actually going. Like I, I had moments of like severe doubt thinking, okay, like what if we just took one opposite and we did a bunch of other stuff like this, would that make sense? And was, you know, creating every scenario in my head to, to think like, Okay, maybe I maybe I won't go if somehow this really weird thing happens that probably won't happen. So that that reality is really real, even when like Show and I were the only two opposites. Like it, <laughs> I, sh- I should have probably been a little more confident. Um, so, but that that reality of doubt is is really real for everyone. Um, and it does feel really wrong when you don't take all the guys who have been so important in the team's journey. Um, yeah, it is It is just, you know, one-on-one meetings where no one knows what's going to happen and everyone is agonizing over it. And, you know, you have guys like who have battled together for years and years and years on a common goal and one of them goes to actually finish the job of carrying it out one of them doesn't and it's very strange for me there was a real feeling of like this is so wrong it feels gross that we're not they're not letting us bring our our real team like our full team you know so but yeah not sure why you know, obviously they don't want to bring a, a million extra people to the Olympics. Fair enough, but uh, yeah, it is it is tough, like really tough to to just see those few guys get chopped off, and then the rest of us has to carry it on, carry it on for them. So yeah. And obviously, with the Olympics during the the COVID times, it was going to feel a little bit different. But I'm curious, just how did the the event feel and then how did it start to like roll out for you in terms of like going through like a tough pool and getting ready for matches like obviously the fans thing and there's distractions and i'm sure there's a lot of protocols but as far as the actual volleyball stuff like how did you feel going into the event about your own performance and your own expectations yeah well the way things worked out because of covid it made the olympics feel just like it was just volleyball like it was very pure focus on volleyball um so it didn't even f- yeah okay i haven't been to another olympics so I, I guess i don't know for sure but to me it felt like a volleyball tournament just a really 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 like important focused volleyball tournament it didn't feel like something different like the olympics which is how people normally talk about the olympics like really a whole a whole different experience um so yeah like in one sense 
okay, it was kind of easy to just stay dialed in and focused because you couldn't go do anything. So, so it was just all volleyball. Um, and yeah, heading into it, I guess for me and my own performance, I, I didn't know exactly what the team would need from me at certain times or another. I was trying to be prepared for whatever the case was going to be. If I need to come in as a serving sub, if I need to come in on the double sub, um, if I need to start a game, if I need to do anything. Um, so I was trying to just be prepared for every scenario. Um, and that kind of mental prep is something that I, I knew I had worked on for years. And so I felt confident it was part of my, part of my toolbox, part of what I can do as a player. So, um, yeah. And I felt very, very focused and very, very just connected to our sense of purpose and yeah, just knowing that this was something that our team has worked towards for a long, long time. So um, I wanted to make sure that I did everything I could in order to make that possible. And I guess in terms of just how you, how I chose to approach kind of pressure and expectations and that kind of stuff, I just tried to copy whatever Graham and Gord were doing <laughs> because I figured, okay, these guys seem to know what they're doing. So just copy them. And they always seemed very focused, very connected to what we're doing. But yeah, staying in the present moment, not getting too carried away by, you know, fears or expectations about what might happen or might not happen. So um yeah i figured okay great i'll try and do that and yeah in the end i i think i played pretty well actually so yeah now did gord ever get wind of what you were doing was that ever a formal conversation did he notice you were kind of copying him or like how do those things happen when uh, the, the vet notices I remember, actually <laughs> i mean it's not like i was you know imitating them in an exaggerated way i was just it was more so that um they had a sense of, of calmness and I, I was able to look to them and think, okay, if they're calm, I can be calm. Um, yeah, basically it was, that was mostly my, my takeaway from it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I can't remember if I ever really raised that up formally or not. I think I did. But uh, at this point, I can't remember. Now, with at an event of that magnitude, do you ever get distracted just by the noise? And what I mean by the noise was there was just a little bit of a brouhaha back home where we lost to Japan. And there was just this big talk about how we've overvalued size and we're trying to copy other federations where we don't take the skilled guys. And then Japan wins where it, it looked like people were ready to like have a summit and rebuild the Canadian model and talk about skills guys versus big guys. But then yeah. we... we we, I keep saying, wait, you guys bounce back and you beat a team like Iran. And it's like, that's a top level team and you guys take it down. So I'm curious, did that ever hit the team room that people back home and coaches were saying, I told you so, we've, we've eliminated so many skilled guys from our sport and look what Japan's doing. And then you guys, it, it didn't seem like that noise got to you. Cause like I said, we played so well against Iran. So was there any yeah, noise I, getting into the room? I think I, I think I remember that 
you might have already asked that to to Nick as well. Yeah, was that right? Yeah, and as same as him, like I, I I remember listening to that interview and thinking like I have no idea that was a thing. <laughs> um, like we're we're in, we weren't just in a COVID bubble. Like we were really truly not interested in anything in the world other than okay, probably talking to our wives and just playing volleyball, watching the games, being fully dialed in to whatever was next. Um, so, yeah, like when you're in that environment, it actually is also um, pretty quick to put the past in the past and focus on the next game because the next game is unbelievably important. So you just can't waste time dwelling on it and whatever whatever capacity that might be. Um, and so, yeah, no, definitely didn't reach us in the, in the team room. Um, but as far as just the concept itself, um, yeah, for sure. There's something to be said for looking at a team like Japan and thinking, okay, like what do they do? That's world-class. What do they do? That's better than anyone else in the world. Let's steal it. And let's also do that. Um, but we can't also neglect the other top teams in the world and look at them who are all rolling out pretty massive lineups and say, okay, let's just ignore that and try to be Japan only. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my mentality as a volleyball player is just figure out what the best guys are doing and steal it. So... <laughs> Whatever we can steal from Japan, let's do it. Like, fully on board with that. <laughs> and one match I did want to ask you about, just based on, on some of your comments earlier, where, you know, I, I think you're you're being too modest here. We talk about, like, you get beginner's luck and you get a couple points at the end and you feel good, where the match against Russia, tough crossover. Like, that's, that's a top-level team, but I think you led us in points. You were one of our most efficient hitters, if not the most. So how did you feel going into that Russia match? Like, uh, are you going to joke with me and say that they didn't treat you like a priority and that's why you kind of went off? Or did you feel really good going to that game confident that you could play with those guys? Cause across the net, like okay. watching the game on TV, they built up Russia that they had a star at every position and they were big and they were going to do all these things. And I, I thought you held yourself extremely well and had a heck of a game. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true that they, they have a really solid team. They took a silver medal. So, um, my style of play matched up well against them. Um, I'm sure if you ask Glenn, he would say something similar where we need to attack a massive team like that with, with speed and try to find small holes and create instability rather than just try to be big and bang away. So, um, and so my, just who I am as a player was the right fit for the scenario. And so, I felt confident knowing that. Like I knew, okay, I don't have to try and pretend to be something I'm not. Um, I just need to play the kind of game that I've worked really hard to get to get really good at, and that's going to be enough to help the team as much as as, much as I can. So, yeah, I felt like I had I had the tools I needed, and I mean, there is. There's a small element of them not caring about me too much, but <laughs> like, you know, much less so than my 
than four years ago or whatever it was when I was first playing with the national team. But um, yeah, I was I was really proud of how I played in that game. Like I felt so mentally dialed in and focused on every point. And the the weirdest thing about playing in a game like that was just the like how you can actually physically hold a ball and look at the scoreboard and think, okay, if I miss the serve, we lose the game and we're out of the Olympics. Like because that was my scenario at the end of the third set. I was serving and we we're down, I don't know, twenty two, twenty four, twenty three, twenty four. And just being in a situation like that is, like, I felt somehow in that moment, I felt like, wow, this is such a privilege to have this severe level of anxiety. (laughs) Not many people get to experience this. So I felt, yeah, I felt very privileged, very lucky to just be in a moment like that. And, um, yeah, I felt able to be at peace with with results to be at peace with knowing okay as i hit this ball as i toss up this serve i'm going to execute it to the best of my ability it might work it might not but i'm not going to worry about that right now i'm going to stay connected to the moment of just hitting this ball and the results will be what they will so that was probably what i did the best in that game was um just making peace with uh the results and and being able to to leave that to the side and just execute my skills yeah now is that a skill you feel like you've practiced or at least that you're aware of because it's that's such a cool thing to be thinking in that moment. But I, I got to think that most of us would not be thinking the same thing if we're back at the headline. Like if we miss, we're going to lose. Like it might switch to a, I hope I don't miss or like that type of attitude where to, to kind of share what you were feeling. Is that something that you felt like you've had to work on? Or is that just kind of your, the way you have confidence and the way you feel about our sport that uh, you're going to be in the moment and you're going to be prepared and you feel like you have the tools? Like uh, how did this come about that you can be at the Olympics and be like, yeah, this is a really cool moment right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird, I guess. Uh, the most important thing is to fail a lot beforehand. Like if you have like really crippling failures beforehand, and then you real you walk through that and realize like, okay, I'm still breathing, and people don't hate me, and I can still hit a volleyball over a net. Then you realize, okay, like I can I can fail, and then I'm still gonna wake up the next day. So if you go through a lot of those, like it takes more than one, then you start to have more peace with playing in the big moments, I think. But for sure, also for me, it's going to be connected to my faith and realizing that if I if I make this serve or don't make this serve, God still loves me. Like he's he's not going to, you know, just light me up if I miss this volleyball serve. That's not what what he's primarily concerned with so um yeah for me for me personally that's for sure what gives me yeah peace and and yeah just the ability to play play with whatever whatever comes and know that my identity isn't gonna be based based on 
how I perform as a volleyball player, actually. Like who I who I am at my core isn't isn't coming out of whether I whether I performed or not, whether I'm a good volleyball player or not. No, like I could break my leg tomorrow and never play volleyball again, and then what happens to my identity, right? That's been shattered along with my leg. But so for me, my identity is never going to be in that. It's going to be in 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 Christ and in who God tells me I am, and that's a much more secure spot for me. So I feel, yeah, coming out of that kind of place of stability that I'm free I'm free to compete and free to give my best um, you know it doesn't doesn't hold me back from trying really hard I still really really try hard in volleyball but yeah it just gives me freedom freedom I'd say to to give my best and and not be just caught up in anxiety about the results yeah, that's such a cool message, man. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious if that's how you feel in those moments and that's how you could like go through a tough quarterfinal loss on your own. Did that allow you to switch roles quickly and then go support other guys? Because I, I don't want to over-dramatize this. It's not my team and I wasn't there. But from an outsider, that's Glenn's last Olympic game. That's the last time he'll coach Canada. That's the last time we'll, we'll see him in that role. And he's put so much into it. Now, with hindsight, we know that that's Gord's last Olympics. Like, were you able to kind of go support guys because the the photos after the game and the TV feed after the game, guys are hugging each other. Guys are obviously crying like they're upset. That's a, that's a big game. So did you feel like you could go and then support guys because you felt not at peace, but you felt like you gave it your all and you were your identity wasn't attached to this? Could you then go support guys who were maybe struggling more in that moment? Um, I, I guess so. I think I certainly tried, but that was also yeah brutal to lose a game like that and to have your your volleyball kind of dreams and expectations are finished in that way but then you also turn around and i look at tj and realize rick i don't ever get to play volleyball with tj again like and so that just makes it way way more sad because these guys who you really care about and have become just really close friends with you know competing with all over the world together you look at some of them and realize okay this is the last time we don't get to do this anymore um and so basically just kind of piles on top of the disappointment that's already there so um but i guess i certainly tried to i mean that's all you can do in that moment is is come together so um yeah this has been great man to hear your insight and hear your process just along your career and i I know we're getting pretty heavy here but i'm definitely getting fired up but uh one thing we like to do to end the show is just to try to tell like a funny or unique story because i think the volleyball community is so amazing and to hear that you've what what you've accomplished and you're playing at the highest level but something funny or unique must have happened along the way that i was hoping you could just give us a, a funny story before we call it here um well you you kind of referenced it earlier, but for me, it's like seeing my daughter grow up in these random volleyball gyms all around the world. Um, you know, like this this year, she's really started to understand what's going on and understand that dad's a volleyball player, and she gets more fired up than she should at <laughs> at games and is like just absolutely wired, just 
beyond all hope of bringing her back down for bedtime after the game. Like it's insane. But those moments of, okay, like we're in a, we're in a volleyball gym in France and my daughter's running around with streamers dancing to this like marching band playing in the gym after we win a game and looking at those moments and realize like this is such a cool way for my kids to grow up is seeing this crazy life that we that we get to live together um and i'm so thankful that we get to do it together because yeah it's uh it's it's really cool for me every year when we think about where we're going we're staying in the same place we're going somewhere new you know my wife and i sit down and think about how we can just meet some new people and love them and connect with them or we can keep on building connect friendships and connections that we've already started in previous years and and how this is going to impact our kids too and how my daughter's going to you know be learning she's learning french in in her little preschool this year and how that's such a a great life experience that yeah we wouldn't have had back home if i was just just sitting around working a normal job you know my daughter would never get to run around these these crazy gyms and have everyone clap you know she thinks that all these hundreds of people are clapping just for her as she's like <laughs> running around and dancing and twirling like this is great like everyone's here to cheer me on wow so <laughs> so yeah i'm thankful that um that i get to do this crazy journey but also that i get to share it with them and yeah can't wait to see what else is in store down the road Man, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for making this work, not only for for everything you shared, but for making the time zone work, for taking time away from family and all that stuff. So thank you so much for everything you shared today. This this has been great. Yeah, well, it's been awesome. I've been staring at the monitor this whole time. Jackson's been just hanging on to sleep, barely. So (laughs) it's been perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sweet, man. Uh, thanks again. I'm sure you got some more stories, so we'd love to get you on again soon. But uh, thanks again for sharing all that you did. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it.